Welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast, Overcoming Resistance to Change, Part 2 of 2. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, Overcoming Resistance to Change, Part 2 of 2. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this episode, renowned change management expert Rick Maurer shares with us his insights on the three different types of resistance frequently encountered when implementing a business change, how to recognize each type, and the actions change leaders can take to overcome these objections. And so now, without any further delays, let's get started. Rick, moving on to the level two or the I don't like it resistance, yeah. what do you see as the risks involved with this kind of resistance? Because it feels like this is a, a more substantial pushback. Yeah, this is huge. This is often when we think about resistance, it's, it's this source of resistance that we're thinking mm-hmm. about. People are bent out of shape. And you're basically... If, level, if this kicks in, I call it level two, but it doesn't. Have, so if I keep, if I revert to that, it's just because I'm, you know, it, it's late in the evening. <laughs> but uh, but basically, if people are afraid, and you start pushing against them, you really are going to get uh, some interesting resistance back. Like you might get in in your face criticism. You might get people leaving. You might be, get people mm-hmm. imploding. You know, and not saying a word, or as one of my clients once said, he said, what I got was malicious compliance. People did just enough, so I'd keep walking down the hall. Um, and, it's so, and the real, and part of the risk, if that wasn't enough, is it's hard for people to give voice to that, because that's emotions, and our workplaces gen- generally don't, don't like to support don't like emotions. We don't like to talk about them. And, and, and so it's really risky one-on-one or in a meeting to say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm really kind of afraid of, of this change. And so what we do is in meetings, you know, that you're a good, you know, uh, good leader and you say, all right, look, I've just announced this change and all. And, you know, some of you may be concerned. What are your questions? People aren't going to talk about the emotions. So they're going to go right back to that, I don't get it. And they're going to ask detail questions. Like, so when will that be starting? Uh, could you go back to the last slide? I have some questions about the timeline. Mm-hmm. This is all polite stuff, and, and it can be a mask for the fact that what's really going on is the emotional stuff. How does the, the change leader then recognize 
that this kind of below the surface yeah. resistance is boiling up? Well, there are a couple of things. One, if you keep getting the same sort of facts and figures kind of questions, mm-hmm. like, okay, so so do you mind telling me again, Nathan, which which department, where's that going to be starting again? And you go, you know, I've sent out three memos. This is the third time I've been asking in a meeting in the last week. Maybe that isn't the issue. Maybe it's just not safe to ask the real stuff. So if you really feel like you know you've answered these questions pretty well, that it's it's probably a cover, and people are sort of sort of hoping that you'll read between the lines. Okay. That's that's one thing. The other is there are some changes that unless you're one of those few really, really well-run places that we talked about at the beginning of our call, mm-hmm. um, yeah, there's a few kind of changes. That you can just be guaranteed, almost guaranteed, that they're going to uh, create resistance. That if you do a reorganization, you know, there are going to be people who are going to they're going to lose power, they're going to lose their corner office, they're going to lose status. There all that mm-hmm. stuff that's going on and won't get talked about. Uh, you do merger integration, uh, name anything, and th- there's a really good chance that you're going to get this emotional kind of resistance. And yeah. so, and even if your if, even if your organization is great and you don't get that, people aren't afraid. It, it's still good to ask about it. And uh, I had a uh, a client, a head of nursing, in a place, and say, you know, she said, you all know that I'm a nurse like you are. If I was in your shoes right now, I'd be afraid I was going to lose my job. Yeah. And that opened that meeting up. Because people started nodding their heads going, yeah, what, that's right. And then they started saying other things that concerned them, like, well, if this doesn't work, it could be my license that goes. Or I'm concerned that it's going to really deteriorate quality of care. And there were things that hadn't been on her screen, which really then gave them collectively some some very important things to talk about. But it all happened with her stepping forward and saying, if I were in your shoes – so she didn't make them say it. Sure, she broke the ice. Yes. Yeah. Are there some other techniques that are good for the the leader to facilitate overcoming this kind of resistance? Yeah. Well, the first thing is the leader has got to know that it's going on. So getting good information is is essential. Um, so let me just say a couple of other quick ways that you could do that. Um, okay. Um, one, I had. Um, there was a vice president in a large company, and he had, for lack of a better term, junior weathermen all over the uh, the organization. Sort of like if you watch local news, they're always saying, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so out there in Strasbourg, uh, you know, they said the dew point was such-and-so and the barometric pressure. And so they've got these little weather stations out in their yards. Sure. Which are all amateur. Well, he had around the company these people who could, could tell – you know, the temperature. And, and so he could call them. And they weren't acting like the secret police. They weren't telling on people. But they were saying, yeah, you know, that didn't go over so well, Mary. Uh, or i got to tell you, people are really confused. There's a lot of talk in the hallways, and most of us people are confused. So so he had this informal network and a way to find out how's the message going across. Um, you can also just do one-on-one conversations with people. Uh, I, I do short surveys with people. I just want to find out, so what, what are those issues? Are people confused? Are they having an emotional reaction against it? And also, do they have trust and confidence in the people leading this thing? Mm-hmm. And, but any of those. And then how you work with it. 
is once you find out what the things are, like people are afraid they're going to lose their job, that tends to be a big one. Yeah. If that, let's say you know that's not likely to happen, then you, you really need to be public about that. And you need to say, look, I, I suspect there's a lot of fear that people could lose their jobs. In fact, that head of nursing said, you know, I know that's a concern, and I don't have a crystal ball, but I really think if we do this new initiative, we're actually going to be strengthening uh, our hospital's position, and therefore uh, it's going to be far less likely that they're going to let any of us go. And she said, like I say, I mean, you know, I'm not a magician here, but that's what I believe. So you need to go out with that. If the reality is that, yes, indeed, we are going to downsize, Mm -hmm. I... I think it's best to be honest about that. And if you try to you try to couch it, uh, or if God forbid you lie about it, yes. I'm, it's just going to come back to haunt you. And people are not you know people aren't kids, and we treat them like kids quite often. You know, you know, tell them the truth, or to say you know it doesn't look good, but you know here's some things we can do. I was. I worked with somebody, uh, a friend of mine, and worked for a big company. I won't say the name of it. And basically, the company said, your department isn't going to exist six months from now. We would like you to figure out how to close down this department and what you need to do with the talent that's in there right now. And, you know, does it mean downsizing? Does it mean that you, got, you folks get placed other places? But this department will not exist. And... We would like you to, you know, take the first shot at coming up with, and they jumped into that, mm-hmm. and nobody lost their job as a result of it. And they actually came up with some very creative solutions. And to hear her talk about it, it was an exciting thing. I mean, it wasn't her first choice, but boy, once she got engaged with it, she was she was quite excited. Sure, you provide people with the opportunity to plan and to exert some control over their situation by being honest with them and yeah. having some transparency. Mm-hmm. Yes, and then allowing them to get engaged, to be engaged in the process. Right. Okay, help right. me. I don't have a crystal ball here. Look, would you be willing to work with me? Uh, let's explore this. Let's see if there's a way that we can do this without cutting this or relocating there or whatever, whatever the issue might be. Um, but that willingness to kind of go into it and, and, and not, as, not as an omnipotent uh, king or queen, but is somebody willing to be influenced by the other people? Sure. Now, Rick, the last or third level of resistance that you talk about is the I don't like you, mm-hmm. which is which is a very interesting form of <laughs> resistance. <laughs> yeah. And it also seems to me to be a very risky form of resistance. What, what are the risks involved with the I don't like you resistance? It's it's bedrock. It is. It is. I think the the most important <laughs> resistance or potential source of support that you've got. If people don't trust you, they are not going to be listening to your message, and they're going to be scared. First of all, so so it evokes mm-hmm. that level two stuff right away. Like, oh no, here we go again. What's you know? We got the clowns running the circus. What's going to happen? And physiologically, people kind of when, I won't go into the brain research stuff, but when that part of the brain starts to fire, our ability to listen, our, our, not our desire to, but our ability to listen goes down. Okay. So 
you don't trust me, and I'm up there talking about something that I think is important, you can't even hear me. And not only that, what you're listening for are key words to let you know this is going to be bad. So if I use some phrase, oh, like make cuts somewhere, uh, go, uh huh. See, I knew it. I knew it. Yep, I knew. I knew it was going to be downsizing. And you're not even, you know, I'm not even talking about downsizing. I'm talking about, you know, cuts and uh, paper clips or something. You know, it's, it's yeah, kind of stupid. But uh, if if you don't have that level three trust, your ability to influence goes way, way down. I mean, good salespeople have learned this over the last 15, 20 years that the whole notion of relationship matters immensely. When you're when you're selling things, the people want to buy from people they trust. People want to follow people they trust. And I've seen leaders who haven't really thought through the change as well as they should have. Uh, and people give them the benefit of the doubt because they're trustworthy, they're honest. You know that you know. And and unfortunately, that whole area of, gets gets underplayed when you read the literature on change. And if okay. anything, it's it's I think the most important one. So, how does a leader tell that the resistance is because they're resisting them? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, that well, that's a really tricky one. Um, sometimes you can, if if your if your organization uses three sixty feedback, sometimes you can mm-hmm. start to tease it out there. Okay. Um, Sometimes you'll have one or two people around who really are willing to be, are willing to tell you the truth. Okay. You know, maybe they don't understand the phrase "career limiting move." You know, but there, but there are people you know who are really willing to say, "Okay, so Nathan, look, this is the word on the street." And if you've got those people, they can be golden. Uh, but you got to figure the higher you go in an organization the harder it is for you to know what people think of you because people don't want to tell, they don't want to speak truth to power. And so it's harder and harder to get it. So sometimes using a survey, sometimes if, like if you're working with a coach, for instance, the coach can say, you know, there's a pattern I'm noticing here. Yeah. Uh, or, or you've got those, you know, that person who can be a trusted advisor who could say, hey, you know, this is going on. Um, there's something that I do um, when I start working on a project with a client, I want to know what those level one, level two, and level three issues are. Do people, and and that can be negative and positive. Like, do people get it or do they not get it? Do they like it mm-hmm. or do they not like it? Do they trust me or not trust me? And so I was working with a client, and there was a huge project. And she wanted to do some planning. And I said, well, where are the managers? And she said, I think they're with me. And I said, well, it's really important to know whether they are or not before we do this planning meeting. And I said, do you mind if we do a quick survey? And the survey was four questions. And the first three were just those three levels of resistance. So I think I think I went out under my name and I said, hey, I'll, I'll call the woman Shirley. I said, Shirley's been talking about, you know, the the need for change, uh, for, for this particular kind of change for, for a while. Um, so here's at level one. Uh, so from where you sit, does it seem like there's a need for change? Please, please explain. Open-ended. Not mm-hmm. a one-to-five scale. Open-ended. All right. I don't call it level one, of course, because they don't know what I'm talking about. But I'll right. say, right. Is, do, you, you know, do you see a need for change? Mm-hmm. Please explain. And level two is, so what's your reaction to 
all this talk about change. And I don't say, are you resisting, are you supporting, none of that. What's your reaction, open-ended? And three, does the leadership team of your organization have what it takes to lead this change successfully? Okay. Please explain. And then the fourth question is, anything else you'd like to add? And oh, that's okay. it. Now, there's a real beauty in doing a short questionnaire like that, and that is your response rate will go way up, and mm-hmm. you're, you, people will start to tell stories. And the stories are golden. It's much better than having numbers on a one-to-five scale. The stories start to give you the emotional content. You start to hear their metaphors, the language they're using, and there's just a lot you can pick up. And even if they're not saying, I think my boss is a bozo, you can start to read it pretty clear, clearly. <clears throat> uh, or that, wow, in, in the instance I was just talking about with Shirley, people were saying, she is the best boss I have ever worked for in my entire life. Here's why. Yeah. Bam, 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 bam. Well, you know, that's, that's just great stuff. And when people know it's anonymous, uh, they're quite willing to, often are quite willing to say things uh, that they couldn't say in any other forum. Rick, on the surface, it would seem like a pretty simple solution that if we knew the organization really didn't like a particular leader, that we just wouldn't put that person in charge of the change at all, and we'd pick someone that folks have more respect for. Now, of course, then I look at the other side of that coin and say, well, but that other person may not have the knowledge, skills, and experience to actually lead the change, which puts us in a different kind of a bind. So, so what does an organization's leaders do when they're faced with this resistance to change that is derived because people just don't like the change leader? Yeah. Well, I think I think it's it's actually I think it's a bigger problem that 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 surrounds it, and that is. Often, the people who are more senior than this leader, who uh, people don't trust, is mm-hmm. you know they're they're busy. They're you know they're probably flying all over the country, if not the world. They don't know uh. that people don't trust this person because they're not there every day. They can't sit in the meetings, and that's not their job uh, to, to you know to be there every day or to be a spy or something. But I think organizations somehow need to do a better job of being able to say, you know, whenever Sue runs a big change, our turnover goes up. Or whenever, you know, whenever Bill runs a big change, we man, we just get lots of grievances. You know, that you're starting to yeah. see patterns that way then I then I think um then I think the people, most senior people, have a responsibility to say, hey, Sue, Bill, whomever, uh, there's a pattern here. And and you can say, and, and here's what we're prepared to do. We're mm-hmm. prepared to, you know, you know, there's a great program at such and so that you could go to, you could get a coach, we could do this or that, um, you know, or they, or they pull somebody else in. But it's... Um, but the first thing is the organization's got to realize that the problem, the reason they're getting so much resistance is because of the leader who, con- who continually is called on to lead changes. Okay. Um, okay. And, 
by the way, if it's a smaller change, then the idea that you mentioned earlier, like you could delegate mm-hmm. it off to Rick or to Nathan, and that would be fine. Okay. Um, if it's a side thing, like, okay, we need to come up with a new performance management system, and so we're going to give that to the head of whatever, blah, 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 and we do, that can work, that can work fine, but if it's a big, big thing that, you know, really, like, merger integration or something, right, it's, right, it's, you just can't delegate that one away. Rick, and beyond the wall of resistance, you describe how these three levels of resistance play off each other. Yeah. Would you describe that inner relationship for our audience and then how a leader can use those relationships in benefit of overcoming resistance? Yep. Good. By the way, yesterday, a friend of mine, a fellow consultant, Zainab Tozum, who lives in Turkey, said that she was using my model and some people we're saying, why are they called levels? It sounds like hierarchy. She, somebody said, they ought to be called sources of resistance. And I wrote back and I said, yeah, if I could do it over again, I would change it. But I, there's so much in print over the last 15 years that I can't. But, but if you think of those three levels, basically it's three sources of resistance. People don't understand it. They're having an emotional reaction against it or they don't trust you. Mm-hmm. The good behavior in any one of those can start to make a shift in the others and Bad behavior can make a shift in, to others. So, for instance, let's say we're in a big meeting. Lights go down. PowerPoint comes up, and the the head person is saying, "You know, these are these are dire times. We've got to be making some big changes." And they mm-hmm. give some data that really gets your attention. Yes. And you go, "Wow, that's big stuff." And and they say, "You know, and unless we make some big changes right within the next year." Uh, we're at risk of being out of business. And you go, whoa, I don't like that, but boy, I do like the fact that we're going to start working on it right now. So level one, level two, or source one, source two, you're, you're really getting it. And then the leader goes into Attila the Hun mode, you know, and they're talking about, you know, and if, and if you don't come around, blah, 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 and, yes. you know, and they go, oh, yeah, I forgot. That's the way he is. Suddenly, the great case that they were making just starts to fall apart. So, so now it contaminates the people's understanding and, and their reaction to it. Um, on the other hand, if, if um, I, I've seen leaders come in who didn't have a particularly good uh, relationship with people beforehand. I mean, just the word on the street was, you know, they're not fair and they don't follow through. And the leader would say, you know, the word on the street about me is da 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 and people start to go, oh, and they start leaning in. So now they're actually more receptive. They can listen differently. Like, oh, there's a new sheriff in town. This person, there's something different. This person, uh, you know, they might be a little skeptical, but they're still, they're interested. Whereas before, yeah. they were sitting back, their arms are crossed. They just aren't going to let anything in. And so I've seen people just do some stuff where this, they start to build a little bit of trust, and it, and it has a, a positive impact on the other other two sources of resistance. And I know I've been in that position personally, where I have benefited because the folks I was working with either liked me or trust me. Hopefully both. And so when I was about to make a mistake, they would come and save me from myself. Yes. Kind of yes. Thing. Yeah. And, yeah. But it, 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 it was it was surely 
because level three was okay, that it benefited level one and two. Yes, yes, that's that's a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a great example, Nathan. Yeah. Well, Rick, before we close, you have several websites, and <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm going to get a right this target. Time. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of them is www.rickmauer.com. The second one is www.changemanagementnews.com. And the other is www.changeosp.com. And all of these websites provide wonderful resources on managing business change. Could you tell us a little bit about your websites and the resources our listeners can find there? Yep. Um, Let me start with the last of those. Okay. Because it's actually the newest. The Change OSP stands for Change Open Source Project. And I started it about a year and a half ago. It's free, and it's, it's intended to be an online community uh, for people interested in leading change in organizations. And so you sign up, um, and you can start discussion groups. You can join in discussions. I have an e-book there. Um, Actually, one of my clients reminded me two days ago. I'd forgotten. I actually have a half-day training design uh, that you could use, um, ah. you know, in your own organization. And I talk about, you know, here's the things I do. Here's some pitfalls, things you might want to consider. You might try this. Might try that. Um, and I'd forgotten that I put it there. It's actually, and he was using it in our meeting. And I, wow, this is, I like this. But there's a bunch of resources. There's some PowerPoint slides you could use that actually talk about. You know the, the levels that you and I've been talking about tonight, mm-hmm. and and then other people put up resources too. So that's there. That's free right now. There are just under under 700 members from at last count 30 countries. Wow. So, yeah, and and people. I mean, there are people who are in leadership positions. There are consultants. There are some students, but it's people who really for the most part, really know change in organizations. And they're a great group to reach out to. And you can reach out privately. You can see somebody and say, hey, you know, I noticed that you've done a lot of work in Lean Six Sigma. Can I ask you a question? And, you know, so there are these side conversations that get going that the only way I ever know about them is somebody will say, oh, you know, I was put in touch with so-and-so or I got in touch with so-and-so. So that's one. The other, changemanagementnews.com, is my blog. Okay. And the third one, the rickmauer.com is my main website, and there uh, it obviously talks about my uh, consulting services and speaking services, but there's also uh, a free ebook, which is like, I don't know, 48 pages or so, that, ex- that explains uh, uh, kind of the ba- my basic model. There's a, an executive briefing on why, 70%, why changes fail and what to do about it, and that just extracts some of that stuff from, from the new book. Uh, but I think in a very digestible thing that an executive actually would have time to read. Um, there's a, a resource library of, I don't know, I've lost count of how many articles and assessment tools. And if you go into that, this is all free, you can download and print unlimited copies for your personal use. Um, oh, okay. So there's just all kinds of stuff there. So the main thing, place to go, and you could find all the others would be go to the rickmauer.com because you can get to the blog, you can get to the, the change open source that way. Great. And, of course, as always, we're going to put links to all three of your websites in the article that accompanies our podcast. So with Thank a you. single click, our listeners will go right there. 
Super. Great. Well, Rick, I want to thank you not only for sharing your time, but your insights on recognizing and overcoming the various types of resistance to change. I've really enjoyed our discussion today, and I hope our listeners will take the principles that you've shared and the actions that you've shared with us this evening to improve on their change management efforts. So thank you again for joining us. You're welcome. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Rick Maurer for being with us today and sharing his insights on how to recognize and overcome the several different types of resistance to change. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Rick Maurer and Beyond the Wall of Resistance at www.rickmaurer.com. Until next time, so long.